Um, if you want to go to Luke 2, um, we're going to talk about peace this morning. I um, mean, one of the things I want, to, I want to show us, I want us to see, as I was studying this and thinking about peace and the Christmas story and um, really the first, the first Christmas, one of the things that I realized is that on every level, as I'm, I'm going to hear in a second, I'm going to summarize the Christmas story. And on every single level, it lacks circumstantial peace everywhere. Okay, like if you're familiar, if you've been around church, you're familiar with um, the birth of Christ and all the events around the birth of Christ, um, one of the things that's really not present at all is peace. Right? I mean, think about it, right? Um, So there's this teenage girl, probably like 13, 14 years old, who has an angel appear to her. I don't know how peaceful of a situation that normally is, but has an angel appear to her and says, um, you're going to conceive a son. Like, okay. Um, and, and then the angel's like, well, don't, don't be afraid. You know, this is going to be this powerful king. This is going to be this ruler. Um, and she's like, like th- there's no way. Like, I, I'm a virgin. Like, I'm not going to conceive a son. Um, and the Holy Spirit's like, or the angel's like, well, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. Right? So you can imagine this teenage girl just kind of panicking, just kind of freaking out. Like, like how, how am I going to explain this to my friends, to my family? And then she goes and, and, and uh, talking with her fiancé, right? Okay, so she goes to her fiancé and she's like, um, hey, I'm going to have a baby. So he begins to freak out, right? Like, he's like, okay, we're done. And she's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. There's no other guy. I promise there's no other guy. And, she's like, and he's just like, whatever. Like, I know how this goes. I mean, he was a respectable guy, so he's like, I'm not going to, like, make a big scene. We're just going to be done, and I'm just going to move on, blah, 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 blah. Um, and in the midst of all of that, I mean, just imagine the chaos. Like, he's like, we're done, and, yeah, you're just feeding me this lie, and this angel appears. Okay, notice, again, again, the means by which God enters into the story with his voice through an angel. Maybe even this morning, not in the sense of maybe a physical angel, but maybe just by his spirit that he'd enter into our journey this morning to hear the truth of the Christmas story. Um, so this angel appears to Joseph and is like, calm down, calm down, calm down. Okay, which isn't always a calming circumstance, right? An angel appearing, like, just soothes my soul, right? If I had this angelic being just appear in the sky to me or on the ground or wherever, um, it'd be pretty um, scary. Um, so Mary's due date approaches, and um, there, there's this governmental um, rule that says, basically calls for all the citizens to go and register. Okay, so they're, I don't know about you, but like, when you're not feeling well, and like, you just kind of want to be close to home, right? Well, so here in this situation, Mary's like about to pop, right? And Joseph, like they have to travel um, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, one, and to fulfill a prophecy, if you're familiar with that. But they have to travel. So 86 miles. So it'd be like, if you had a car, you jump in the car and you drive to like Farmington is what it'd be like. Like not that bad of a drive. It can get a little boring here and there, um, but not that bad. But like if you're going to walk to Farmington... Like, straight shot, it's going to take, like, 24 hours. That's if everything goes well. Right? So, I mean, like, but, and that's what they're doing. But picture Mary, like, okay, this isn't, like, ah, peaceful. Like, I'm on the camel, like, feet up on the third hump. Like, can I get another, like, coffee? Like, this is stressful. This is not a peaceful scenario. While they're there, 
You familiar with this? You tracking with this? While they're there, she goes into labor. And so they're like, like, we gotta, find, we gotta find a place to, like, do this. Like, normally if we were home, like, we'd be good, but we're not home, so we're like, we gotta find a place, you know, so like, but the town is packed because so many people are there to, to register for this taxes and there's nowhere to go. Like, there's no hotel rooms, there's no suitable place, and then there's this innkeeper who, in his generosity, is like, hey, I got this place out back, and they're just like, yeah, that's just like my bedroom at home, that'd be great. Chilly temperatures, smelly animals, a feeding trough. Sounds like a really peaceful birthplace, right? Not to mention the fact that the epidural wasn't invented until the 1940s. Um, And if if you haven't experienced that situation, let me just tell you, the one word I would not use to describe a natural birth is peaceful at all. Okay, so picture the scene here. Mary gives birth to this child in the oddest of scenarios, in the oddest of places, in the midst of just a crazy scenario of God working his, like, bad odds, like, that he loves to come through on. Baby's born. Just play out the story here for one more minute. Baby's born, and what happens? There's a king that gets word of this baby, is nervous of the power and the authority and the rule that is talked about, about who this baby's going to become, and what does he do? He puts out a, a hit on this child for him to be killed, and so they have to run with the child. It's not peaceful, Right? Like, it's inundated with crazy and chaos, probably in a lot of ways like our lives, right? I I think even as we think about Christmas, like, this time of year can be chaotic, right? It can be, like, just the hustle and all that's going on, but, like, let's just be honest, there's a, like, all the time can be chaotic. Like, life can be chaotic, and one of the things that, like, as we think about what it means to find peace in the Advent season— it's not so much like the removal of chaos as much as it's found in a person. So, I mean, think about just for a second the, the crazy of this season, right? Like um, trying to buy like that perfect present for that, you know, that individual, whoever that may be. Um, attending all these like dysfunctional family dinners and parties and just the awkward and the crazy. Not to mention um, oftentimes the hypocrisy of even our own hearts to do around Christmas what we really don't do the rest of the year, right? Because Christmas means you need to be generous, you need to be giving, you need to be loving like Christ, which is true. But really it becomes this, the one time of the year that people are like, well, we got to get to church, and we got we to gotta give, and we got to like the overflow, but yet it's, is it who we are? Is it what we do all the time? On the first Christmas... There was a situation where the shepherds were out in the fields, and here's where I want to hone into the text. And an angel appears yet again, God entering into the scene, entering into the story with his prophetic power and word to call his people into his story that he's doing through the birth of a baby. Let's look at verse 10. It says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the season, let me just rehash for us and remind us that the the point of the season is the idea of, of Jesus entering in. 
of Jesus entering into our shattered realities, our shattered world to bring hope, to bring, like, look, look at what the passage says. I bring you good news, okay? That's a proclamation of the hope of the gospel. That word literally is the gospel. It's the truth of joy, the invitation, a proclamation of joy. I remember when, when my son was born, um, we didn't, uh, we didn't find out if he was a boy or a girl um, prior to birth. And since, um, since natural birth isn't peaceful leading up to, like, the moment he was born, we had forgotten about that whole part that, like, is it a boy or is it a girl? And, like, literally, like, Tobin's born and no one says anything. I think it's just like this, like, okay, like, this is over. And then it's Danielle who's like, it's a boy. And we're like, oh, yeah, we forgot we didn't know that part. <laughs> and then I'm the one who, like, you know, after some time, goes out to the family, and some of you have been a part of that. Um, goes out to the family. Maybe you've been sitting in the room and that's happened, and you walk out the door, and you just proclaim this good news that everyone's been waiting for, this hopeful news. That's, that's what's happening here. But look at verse 12. It says this, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the, the, the shepherds here are, there's an aspect where they're in fear because the, the angel appears, but what do they do? As God entered into their reality to take them on this journey to figure out who he was, what did they do? They entered into the story. So they go on this journey, fearful, confused, trying to figure out what in the world's going on, because they're just going about their day, and all of a sudden they get slammed with this angelic presence and this message that they're trying to figure out. And I want you to see as we continue the transformation between the fear and uncertainty with these shepherds and what happens. Let's keep reading. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. I love that. I love that picture. The shepherds decide, man, we're going to enter into this. We're not sure. We're uncertain. We're fearful. We don't even know how this is going to play out. And they, they say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go find out. Let's go find this baby. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then here's, here's the, the transforming verse. Look at, look at what happened. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. So upon seeing Christ, what happens? Like, they're in awe. Like, they're, they go from fear and confusion to praise and glory. Okay, this is peace. When we talk about, like, peace this Advent season, this is peace because here's the deal. Listen to this. This is huge. Peace is attached to praise. The peace that we have or don't have in our lives is directly attached to to praise, let me phrase it this way. The driving force behind your peace is your affections. The driving force behind my peace is my affections. Like, think about that. Like, what are, what are we drawn to? 
Like what stirs up our affections? That's the very thing that's going to govern our peace. It's going to set the temperature for the peace that we have in our lives. And so when the shepherds began to journey toward Jesus, they went from this place of confusion to this place of worship. Okay? When my eyes are on Christ, what happens? When your eyes are on Christ, what happens? Like you can experience the peace. Like this tranquil state of soul, you can experience that. But what happens when it's not... Man, when I begin to, the things that begin to destroy my peace is like, begin, I don't know if you ever experienced this, you begin believing lies in your head, you begin believing the lies of the enemy or the lies that you believe other or people are saying about you, you begin to focus on the negative, that's ever steal your peace? How about this, the clock. Does the clock ever steal your peace? Like you're just like, you're so honed in and I gotta be here, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and you're just overwhelmed. Materialism. This idea that, man, we just believe that um, if I just had, if I could just get, it doesn't work. But as the shepherds did, seeing Jesus for who he is leads us to this opportunity to enter into the story. Like walking through the door leads us to the opportunity to, to enter in. Because just like the angels appeared to the shepherds and proclaimed the good news, That was an invitation to a life of praise. It was an invitation for them to go from where they were to the manger scene and be invited into a life where they journey in praise. That's what's happening in verse 14. That's what's happening in verse 20. But here's the problem. For all of us, all of us, we live a life of praise. All of us have things we praise and things that um, really our affections are towards every one of us. We set our affections on someone or something. Not even necessarily inherently wrong. But think about this. Praise is really what sets the the bar. So um, what is it that you worship? Really, it's like where you, your dreams and your emotions, where they rise and fall based on the, how a situation goes or doesn't go. Okay, so it's like when I entertain the thought that like I'm not good enough, if only I had done this better, if only I was like this, or if only I was like that, what am I doing there? I'm walking in a scenario that, listen, it can't hold the weight of peace's promise. I'm walking in a situation that it can't hold the weight, because why? Peace is weighty. Peace is weighty. The weight of peace requires an affection that cannot fulfill on its promise. So like porn, materialism, kids behaving properly, your job going well, this happily ever after life. Listen, all of those things can give false promises. Right? That if these things go a certain way, then this is how I will feel. Okay? But peace is this promise. If you think about Jesus, if you think about really in verse 14, if you look back at verse 14, that word where it says glory to God in the highest and on earth, on earth peace, that's, that's a word of promise. That's a word that's really calling us as people into relationship with the Savior. That's what that word means. That's what that word is about. So like picture buying a car. So anyone buying a car for someone this Christmas? Probably not. 
Hot Wheels. Yes, lots of, lots of Hot Wheels going on. Um, so picture buying a car. Okay, you, you sign off on the loan that you're going to uh, pay for this loan, right? That you're going you're gonna to fulfill your promise to pay this money, okay? When the company comes to repossess the car because you didn't fulfill the weight of that promise, okay, that's what, that's the, that's the weightiness of peace, okay? Because peace says, I'll rescue you. This is your answer. This is your hope. When, when Jesus shows up on the scene and, and promises peace and promises hope, he's a God who fulfills. He's a God who answers. But yet so often, all the time in my own life, I, I believe if only this was this way, if this was this way, if this situation was this way, then, and all of those things, are peaceful promises that cannot fulfill the weight of their promise. They can't. Um, there's a passage in Malachi talking about peace as a promise, but it's tied to covenant. Like we talk about like covenant relationship a decent amount around here. Um, this idea that love is based not in like what you do for me, but it's based solely in like I'm just going to expressly give my love and offer forgiveness apart from who you are and what you do. Um, but look at this passage. It'll be up on the screen. It's a covenant that God was giving with uh, Levi, the priest, and it says this, My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Notice that affections. Notice that, like, um, the idea when, when that our peace is tied to our affections. It says, he feared my name. He stood in awe. Like, that's what, that's what affection is. It's like, oh, I love this. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. No, that's the picture of this journeying with Christ in peace, because we want peace to be like the answer. We want an answer. We want a solution. And if this happens, then, okay. God says, this, that's not the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that I entered in to bring peace. I entered into your situation. I entered into your story. But he, so here's where covenant comes in. I talked about covenant just a second ago. Covenant is the idea that God's the one who set his affections on us. Okay, because if, if peace is attached to affections and praise, then how in the world do we get to the point where we can become people who are more affectionate and more praiseworthy of God? Is it through like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be more affectionate, I gotta be more praiseworthy? No, it's based in covenant. It's based in the idea that God... Never stops, never stops, never stops giving and pouring out his love, giving and pouring out his grace. He never stops. That's the covenant love of God. He's like, I'm going to walk with you. I came to this earth to, to enter into this story, to pursue peace in your heart. Because here's what we know. A lot of times things we buy, um, relationships we have, money we have, a lot of times those things, they have an agenda, right? 
It's like those things, their goal is really to fulfill them. You experience that maybe with an individual, maybe with a salesman on your front porch. It's like, I really got this offer for you. No, it's kind of really like for, for me, but it's really to help benefit you in the end. And that's what's crazy about Christmas is it's, it's the truth. I mean, think about this. Think about how big the universe is. And God, in his glory, says, I'm coming down there to that small place to engage with that individual. That's love. That's love. And he says, to bring peace because I'm for you. Like, I'm for you. I'm not out to get you. I'm not out to destroy you. I'm not out to trick you. I don't have an agenda other than your heart finding its joy and finding its rest in me. Not just once, but every single moment of every single day. That's what the Christmas season is. It's the reality that peace is weighty, so weighty that Christ came and he took the weight upon himself as the infant child who lived the perfect life, who died the most sacrificial death, who ascended into heaven and promised to come again so that we might find peace with him. I don't know about you, but so often peace for me is the solution, this answer. And the story of Christmas is that peace is a person. If you're not a people person, that might be hard for you. But peace is a person who wants you. He doesn't want a solution for your life. He doesn't want like this roadmap that leads to like you just navigate X, Y. He wants you. And he wants you to have him and his heart. Because Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. Dang it, I want a different answer than that. Anybody else? It's like, can peace look like something different? Because sometimes I just don't want to journey with God. Because sometimes I just don't, I just don't trust Him. I just struggle to know what He's doing. He's like, no. Because peace is found in the person of my Son who came to this earth as the most humble means possible to pursue our hearts forever. Hear that? Forever. They would never stop. Listen, circumstances aren't peaceful. If you're, if, you're, if you're trying to navigate your life so that you can get your circumstances peaceful, like sometimes we can do that. Sometimes the chaos of life is a result of sin. It's a result of sinful choices. So sure, there's things we can do to, to hone in on the chaos and home. But listen, life is it's, it's crazy, isn't it? And coming to Christ isn't an invitation to remove the crazy as much as an invitation to walk with a Savior who says, I'm your peace. I'm your peace. So let me just ask this question as I land the plane here. Where are you looking for peace? Where? 
What's the solution? What's the circumstance? You're like, I hope this goes right. I hope this goes this way. Where are you looking for peace? I was thinking of like a million ways in my head. I'm like, if that would go this way, if this would go this way, if money would be this way, then. Can we just admit together that those are all lies? Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. He's like, I'm your peace. Walk with me. I'll help you figure those things out. Because it's not like those things aren't, don't hear me say those things aren't important. Don't hear me say, find your peace in Christ and like, just go, all those things will go away with the wind. Like, all those things matter. Life matters. The things you're engaged in, the things you're navigating through, the solutions you and I need in our lives are real things. That coming to Christ doesn't make those things like not important. No, it just gives them perspective and a hope that can fulfill on its promise. That's the truth of peace. Luke 2 says this, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Can I just remind us, like, the good news of Christmas? Can we just stop for a second and just recognize the good news, this proclamation of a God who set his affections on us? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Man, would this be us? Would this be our church? Would this be the church? It would be a multitude of people praising God. And living lives of proclamation that say, Glory to God in the highest. Because he's worthy. Not because he's a solution. Not because he's an answer. Because he's my peace and he's a person that wants to journey with me in my heart and wants to journey with us as a community. And here's what I love about that verse. And on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. I wonder if this Christmas season, when you think so much about pleasing with gifts, like, please, I want to please my kids, I want to get the perfect thing, I want to get the, and even the sense of, like, my journey to please God. Praise is found as what really sets the barometer for our peace in the covenant of God saying, I've set my affections on you. And your affections will never be on me unless you press in to the truthful reality that I'm for you. I'm for you. What I'm doing in your life, I'm for you. The pain that's going on in your life, I'm for you. The joy that's going on in your life, I'm for you. Feel the weight of that this season. Feel the weight of that. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Let's pray. And let's prepare to respond to the Lord. Father, God, thank you for your peace.
God. I confess that so often I would much rather have just an answer to my problems than you. I just want you to fix it. Like, just fix it, God. Thank you that you love me enough not to just fix my life and fix me in a way that keeps me from needing you, but thank you that you love me enough to say, I'm going to enter into your life and call you to enter into the journey. And so God, this Advent season, would you empower us to do that? Thank you for bearing the weight of peace. God, you're so good. In Christ's name, amen.